Hello and welcome once again to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyka. With me, as always, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. Right and of course, welcome back, the brain, Emily Merkel. Hello, hello. Alright guys, Let's. Do, I just want to start off by saying this episode is actually sponsored by a good friend of the show, Tracy St. James at Travelmation.net. She is your number one hookup for all of your Disney vacations and your Disney... Mickey Mouse ears as well. So we'll be sure to be plugging that later on in the show, so stay tuned for that. Also, just want to remind you all once again that we are on Stitcher and TuneIn Radio, finally. So we appreciate all the subscriptions there. Uh, lots of great feedback from all of our fans uh, across the state. Um, let's just jump right into it, guys. we got a lot of stuff to go over. we got the Elimination Pay-Per-View, Elimination Chamber Pay-Per-View by WWE. Uh, the Pistons, you know, kind of on a little bit of a streak here, moving to the seventh seed as of this recording. We've got the Manny Machado finally signs. We've only been talking about it for about a month. It seems like he finally signs with the Padres. Mm-hmm. The Merck Zones mock draft corner, which we, as we went over last week, and if you didn't listen to last week's show, please go back and listen to it in our archives. Uh, we have that going on, and of course, the Colin Kaepernick settlement with the NFL. Because how could we not talk about that? And let's all expose the NFL for being buttholes. Okay, we're gonna jump right into it though. First thing we're gonna talk about the elimination chamber. Um, overall, guys, just give me your thoughts on the show itself. Uh, I'm gonna start with you. What, what did you think of the show as a whole? What did you? Thing, anything that was surprising just usually these pay-per-views are pretty are pretty boring it not a ton happens but i feel this show kind of bucked the trend a little bit so what do you say honestly i think i remember we were watching videos we talked about it last mm-hmm. you know a couple episodes ago like we all were like this is gonna be boring like right. there wasn't really anything hinted and i was actually pleasantly surprised yeah like full disclosure i mean Bailey and Sasha won the women's tag title. Right. There was, I mean, the Usos won the tag titles over right. Shane McMahon and The Miz, which I right. thought was Right. Was, was surprising. pretty surprising. Right. Um, yeah. You know, a couple other good matches on mm-hmm. the card, so I actually thought it was it was worth the watch. Yeah. Um, compared to some of the other pay-per-views we watched recently. So. Right. Mike, same question to you, right? What did you think of, of the card as a whole? Anything shocking that came out of it? I know we were texting back and forth, yeah. watching it, and, you know, some surprises happened. Um, I thought it was a good show overall. Yeah, it was. I mean, it definitely died out about halfway through for me. Mm-hmm. Um, once you hit about the Ronda Rousey stuff, yeah. I just kind of was like, I kind of lost interest after a little bit. The first half, absolutely loved. Then hitting the second quarter of the show, I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. But then the WWE Championship match kind of kicked it right back into gear. Right. And Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston as the final two, yeah. that stretch of one-on-one that they had fantastic. was absolutely fantastic. It mm-hmm. was some of the best chamber work right. in recent history, I right. would say. So, um, yeah, overall, it was good. Give me um, a grade. What would you give this show just on, uh, as a whole, like, grade-wise? Um, probably about a B-. minus. B-? minus. Well, yeah, honestly, think, it's not bad. I think, and the only parts that, like, the Ronda Rousey-Ruby-Riot match, it, just, it went a minute and 40 seconds. Yeah, it didn't like, really do anything. just didn't yeah. do much. And then the Baron Corbin Braun Strowman literally walked out while Rousey was still in the ring. Which I thought was And hilarious. they kind of rushed that a little bit, yeah. and then that was only, like, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and right. that was uninteresting. But everything else, I was, like, very invested into mm-hmm. and worked a lot. And congrats on Bailey and Sasha being the first WWE yeah, right. That's that's a very important a, yeah, it's a yep. very important distinction there. Everybody online was kind of getting mad at them for saying yeah. that. I'm like, we get it, we get no, it. They used to have tag titles. Yeah, but that's the WWF. Yeah, WWF even yeah. probably Worldwide Wrestling Federation for yeah. you, 85 year olds out there. But um, yeah, I I really enjoyed the show. I thought it was I thought it was a pleasant surprise. The stuff that they did, I love. I liked the women's t- uh, chamber match. I thought they did a great job there. I thought they made Naya and Tamina look like unstoppable forces, yeah. which I think that they. 
should be portrayed as. Mm-hmm. The Finn Balor winning the Intercontinental Championship, I think we can all agree, is kind of overdue. I th- we kind of thought that mm-hmm. that could have possibly happened at WrestleMania this past year. Um, I think him and Lashley, or him and whoever else he's going to go with going into Mania, I think is going to be fantastic. The Usos winning the tag titles, especially after the Uso drama that happened outside of you know the ring kind of we had you know some thoughts there but um we'll see what happens at fast lane obviously and obviously the wwe title match was fantastic yeah. you know I, I really agree i think and that kind of leads me to my next point um the kofi kingston vibe right the push that at, online especially and in these crowds the past couple weeks on smackdown and at the chamber pay-per-view People are really behind Kofi like we've never seen before, right? We know a few years ago, it's been more than a few years ago now, where they tried the singles thing with him and Orton to try not kind of elevate Kofi, and it didn't really work, right? We saw that, and it was kind of, it was a failed attempt, right? Now, though, with the with the popularity of the New Day, uh, the considering how long he's been here, I mean, he's won every title besides the WWE title. He's been U.S. champion, intercontinental champion, tag champion, so... With all that being said, what do you guys think of of Kofi's push? He's obviously going to be facing Daniel Bryan at Fastlane for the WWE Championship. Uh, M, I'll start with you. I mean, what are we thinking of Kofi as this push here? A, do we think that it's warranted, or do we think that are, are you enjoying it? Give me just your thoughts on the overall mega push that Kofi's getting here. I mean, I like it. I like Kofi. I mm-hmm. mean. Well, I wasn't really into wrestling many moons ago right. when when Michael over here was really into wrestling. But I yeah. remember you talking about Kofi Kingston like yeah. probably like seven plus years back ago. Back when he was Jamaican. Yeah. Back <laughs> <when he> was, <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Back when he was Jamaican. Right. So, but so I always kind of knew who he was, and I feel like maybe in the new day, like while they're popular, I think maybe he gets a little lost in there sometimes, mm-hmm. or like during some of the height I, of the, I think, the Budios. Well, phase. I think people so, forget what he did as a single star right right? and so he's been kind of enveloped in this group which has saved all three of their careers really but i mean i think i agree with you 100 percent. where you you don't remember kofi kingston a lot of fans don't remember him as the guy who beat chris jericho for the intercontinental championship who had several great runs with the u.s title right he was tag champion with cm punk at one point for goodness sake so i mean I mean, really, he's a tag team savant, if you think about it. I mean, he had Evan Bourne as tag champ, R-Truth as tag champ. I mean, he's been he's been tag champion a lot. But, Mike, I mean, what did you think uh, of the Kofi Kingston push? And are you excited to see where they go with it? I know there's been a lot of push for him to main event Mania. Not main event, but have that Mania yeah. match with Daniel Bryan. I don't know if that's really where they should go, but tell me, tell me what you're thinking. Well, actually, and what I think I would have done if I was booking this with his popularity and stuff, right. actually, I probably would have had him win the Chamber match. That's what I think, too. And yep. the reason I say that is you don't have to, like, if you want to give him his due, mm-hmm. he's been here for, what, 11 years now? Yeah. I've been watching since, like, 2008. I right. think that's when he debuted around that time area. Mm-hmm. So he's been there for, like, 11 years. He's done so much for you guys. Mm-hmm. And now you're able to give him this push and fans are behind it. Yeah. I think you could have just been, like, and actually, I was expecting it almost. Yeah, I kind of was. Like, so you kind of felt yeah, it at the very end. You're yeah. like, oh my gosh, he, he, like a, do he this. countered into like a trouble of paradise near the end of the match. Yep. And I actually was like, kind of like jumped out of my seat, like, oh my god, I think he just did it. Absolutely. Like it was one of those moments, and he could be one of those transitional guys where you can just give it to him, and then you still had fast lane as like as your as yeah. your safeguard to go. Okay, we'll yep. give Brian the title back here. Yep. And then you can do whatever you wanted for Mania. 
and you still had time for all of that. Right. So I think it was like a perfect time if you were going to. Right, and I and I and I liken it to the Jeff Hardy WWE title reign that he had. Yeah. You know, his first one when he won an Armageddon against Edge yeah. and Triple H, yeah, right? Where it was the big pop. Everybody was ready. They knew it was Jeff. Jeff was super hot at the time. They teased it for so long. He lost, lost, lost. Came up yeah. just that close every time for him to finally win it and break through. Yeah. And then uh, what they did with the whole Matt Hardy thing and the and the cross and everything. I, I don't necessarily think that needs to happen, you know, play by play like that happened, but I agree with you, and th- and I think that would have been great for them, especially because Daniel and the way they set it up, he was the first entrant in the chamber, yeah. so he was in the whole match, right? Mm-hmm. So it made total sense for Kofi to somehow steal one in the chamber, get his due, get the big reaction like they wanted to, have that celebration, mm-hmm. then for him to have the rematch at Fastlane, Brian beats him for the title. And then they're off and running. They go to Kevin Owens or whoever they're projecting yeah. out going with. Mm-hmm. Last question on this topic, though, guys. Do we think that... Now, obviously, the Rumble is the start, right? They always call it the, the start of the road to WrestleMania. But the Chamber, though, in years past, has definitely shaped the way they do things going forward, right? Yeah. It really really kind of sets you on a path towards WrestleMania. Do we think that, that, uh, that this show accomplished that? Do we think that we're starting to see... You know the the path kind of clear and kind of to see a WrestleMania card start to shape. Obviously, we know the Universal yeah. Title match. Mm-hmm. We know the Raw Women's Title match, which Becky's going to be in. We all know yeah. this is going to happen. So, but besides that, we didn't have a t- clear understanding. Do we? Ha- are we starting to get pieces there? And it, did it do its job of getting us excited and ready for Mania in a couple months? Well, I would say yes, but actually, I don't think it did a great job of it. Okay, and not even a great job, but I think. It kind of hinders, not hinders, but it kind of hurts the show a little bit that fast lanes after it. It does, Because yeah. usually you would suspect that, like, okay, so say, like, a Raw guy wins the Rumble like Rollins did. Right. Then you have the SmackDown Chamber match. You might have, like, a number one contenders chamber match. Yep. And then you can kind of set up your big you build championships. build it for six weeks Yeah, ago. and everything kind of sets up. But now with Fastlane there, you have, like, two weeks until Fastlane from yep. this recording. And now, like, Fastlane's almost going to be the show that, like, you're going to see a lot of interference and you're going to see a lot of this yep. to start setting things up. That's why I'm kind of scared that Fastlane's not going to be that good of a show. And it hurts the build to Mania, too, exactly. because now you've got less time to really yeah. hammer you, in you these You really feuds. want that last sh- big show before Mania be, like, six weeks before. Right. So you have that long build process of, like, building up all this stuff. But now it's going to be about four weeks, three yep. to four weeks. And it, right hinders that. and it hinders the storytelling, absolutely. Exactly. You know, and you can tell the stuff that they prioritize, obviously this Becky Lynch thing they're going to be going on forever right mm-hmm. but to your point we don't know we don't know what the WWE title match is going to be nope. yet we don't know the women's tag we don't know the women's uh, Smackdown t- title right yep. we don't know what the US title is going to be if yeah, anything Archer hasn't been on TV since he won the damn thing yeah. you've got you don't know what the Intercontinental title <laughs> is going to be with Balor you don't know the Raw or Smackdown tags yeah. really so and usually after the Elimination Chamber you or the kind second of have a, show yeah, you, you have know you're kind of like okay this is going to go here this is going to go and here same question right do you think that do, do you think that the chamber really kind of put us on the road, or is there still so many questions that we still have to wait until fast lane before we really get answers to? I think it was Elimination Chamber. Like I said, it was a better show than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But I, I do kind of agree that maybe it didn't set everything up quite as clear. And mm-hmm. I think that that might just be because WWE likes to do pay per views because they make money off of them, and so well, of course they yeah, yeah. they have another one booked. So they it's almost like well like They're if waiting. we have everything set up perfectly, Elimination Chamber, yeah. then mm-hmm. why the heck yeah, are they watching really that. If they have if they have every match already set up for Mania. 
and right. elimination What's the point chamber. Of Fastlane? Then, well, yeah, Fastlane. It's gonna that's, be all title retained. And stuff. Right. And so I liked the, the show, yeah. but I don't think it was like it didn't set as clear of a path as maybe right. we would want it. To How has Fastlane been around for a long time? No, like no. Yeah. two or three. Two or three. Years. Yeah, so but like that's the thing, one. though, right? And no. obviously, Fastlane. I, I do agree with you guys, though, that I think Fastlane is gonna be a snooze fest because mm-hmm. I don't th- because so many things happened on this show, so many title changes, yeah. um, so many big moments that I'm like. Okay, there's no way you're doing anything well, yeah, in The only titles that could change, I could see, is the U.S. title. Right. Maybe. I think the U.S. title could go into that that intercontinental match. Yeah, the ladder, ladder match. match. I think that would be. Happen. I think that, that would be, could really be cool. nice. And maybe the SmackDown tags could change. Like if you're if you're not planning the Usos. Really wish a Nakamura because you're Rusev having that rematch. Would be a thing. Usos will probably win it, but then like they like other stuff might happen. And right. Yeah. There's so, a lot know, of there's, there's a lot of I'm so I'm actually legitimately excited for WrestleMania this year. I think this match. I think this card's gonna be way better than years past. But okay. We'll talk about that on another episode. All right, let's shift now from the World Professional Wrestling. We're gonna go now to the Pistons, right? They're coming off the All Star break, they've won. They just beat the Hawks a couple days ago as this recording, and then last night they beat the Heat, um, both on the road. Nonetheless, their remaining schedule—they're the seventh seed now, right, in yes. the conference as of this recording. Um, the schedule's not that hard. We all talked about this at the beginning of or at the before the show, and. It does not look to be that daunting. It doesn't look like they're playing a ton of guy, a ton of be- good teams. Um, I mean, they, they have those they're sprinkled in, but you're playing the Cavs a bunch. You're playing, you know, the Suns. You play Brooklyn. You play some of these teams that are just aren't very good. You know what I mean? Well, they uh, have the ninth easiest schedule. There you go. As right. Your, exactly. Now, but they do have to play a lot of these games on the road. I mean, yes. I, I think I did the. I think I did the math. That's more than half, right? I think fifteen road games left. Yeah, fifteen you know I mean? out of the twenty-five that are left. Right, that's road, quite yeah. a bit. You know what I mean? At the t- you know at the time. So I mean, will that be a problem, or are you happy that they have to go on the road and win these games to kind of prove that they should be a playoff team? Because I, in my mind, I think they should be a playoff team, but they haven't always played like it in the past couple of years. So, do you think it's a good thing they have to go on the road, even against bad teams, and win in those environments? Well, I think that's important if to win on the road, right. especially when you're looking at the Pistons situation and there's no way you can get home court advantage. Right. Then you have to learn how to win on the road. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's like point. the biggest point of this is you're going to be the 6, 7, or 8 if you're going to make the playoffs. There's no way you can get an 11-game advantage and somehow swing to the 4 seed or something. Mm-hmm. So in that case, to win a series, you have to win at least one. You have to win all your home games plus one on the road. Right. To do the math right right so you have this is actually a nice experience to get some i mean you play cleveland phoenix brooklyn you know you're playing new york again you play and then you're playing some good teams. you play like okc you play right. the warriors on the road so you're playing a, a nice diverse well, that'll probably be a loss <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there might be losses but it's right. nice like you're gonna play a good team on the road so then when yeah. you have to go in and we'll talk about it maybe like toronto maybe yep. indiana or milwaukee if those are the three teams that you have to choose from the answer play and they're all good, right. you have like OKC and the Warriors experience on the road. Right. So you kinda know how you can play. Absolutely. And same question, right? Do you think it's good that they have they have an easier schedule? So obviously it's setting up for them to make a run into the playoffs. Do you think though that they A, they can do it, and B, is it good that they have to go on the road? And even though these are winnable games, it's a lot tougher to win on the road. Is it mm-hmm. good for them? Is it kind of get them ready to go for playoff time? I think it kind of balances out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, they're playing easier teams, um, which if you want to just make the playoffs is a good thing. Right. If you want to yeah. succeed in the playoffs, yeah. you know, you probably have to beat some teams that yeah. are good. So right. there's that. But the fact that it's on the road 
and it's harder to win on the road might kind of like balance out the impact of like okay we have an easier schedule but we're kind of forced absolutely. to navigate this on the road piece absolutely so and i think it's an e- i think you have to be a good team at the end of the day right i yes. mean that's the thing you have to if you have if you're the better team you should be able to go on the road and, and beat a bad team like cleveland mm-hmm. or the phoenix you know what i mean yeah i don't think it's a fake it till you make it kind of thing i think you just kind right. of gotta, I think you gotta just do it you right? gotta just make it you I know think, what i mean <laughs> I, I agree i think agree so I, i'm gonna start with you then i'm call your shot right now are the pistons making the playoffs with the seventh seed right now they're the seventh seed. They just went back to back. I'm an out of the All Star break as of this recording. So tell me right now, they're making the playoffs, yes or no? Sure. All right. We'll give right, we'll we'll them. I mean, I watched them play. Ever. I mean, <laughs> I mean, a lot of Detroit sports kind of put me in this like eh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I I think they'll make it. Do I know if they'll make it past the first round of the playoffs? Probably not. I don't think so. But I think they could make it. Yeah, that's. The, we'll talk about that in a second. Mike, same <laughs> question. They'll call your shot on making the playoffs. Um. Yeah, I could see them making it. Yeah. Um, they do play like Toronto at home a couple of times and stuff. So I mean, preferably I'd rather them play a lot more home games and then yeah. like that's nice. But I mean, if you can win the those games on the road, by all means, right. you can make the playoffs. Yeah, I think they need to re. I think if they hit forty wins, right, which is still technically a sub five hundred record, I think they make the playoffs. I do think that this is the time right now with the way this is looking up. This is the time where you're going to either see them in the next probably two weeks you're going to see them either make the run or they're not going to you mm-hmm. know what i mean and they started out great coming out they narrowly escaped the hawks right which whatever but then they come in they beat the good miami heat team that they're in contention with right now in the bottom of the standings in the east so the fact that you went into their house got the win there i think those are important yeah. wins especially against teams like brooklyn like miami these teams that are kind of in it mm-hmm. in around your time same yeah. with charlotte it really know. helps out that the hornets and the heat also have harder schedules exactly. like they're on the other side they're like yep. the 10th hardest ninth hardest schedules right but we're on the ninth easiest schedule so that also kind of helps out long term absolutely with that so. absolutely and i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you this though so say they make the playoffs right which we've all kind of said here that they probably should if not will um what what team on the top of the standings right now will they play assuming you know eighth seventh maybe succeed if we're feeling frisky mm-hmm. um who, who do you think they have the best chance against i mean you got toronto you got milwaukee possibly the pacers possibly 76ers you know there's some teams even the celtics really Anything really that you're looking at one team that they think they match up well against? I think probably Toronto. Okay. Um, I mean, I feel like that might be a little bit like the easy, the easy answer, but I think. Well, Toronto... I mean, they're the number two seed in the conference right now, so nothing's easy when it comes to Toronto. You know, but I, I, I you know, I, I think, agree. I think, I think it's. I mean, I watched them play the 76ers, and that didn't go very well. Um... <laughs> yeah, we were at that game. Right? <laughs> we were at that game. Yeah. Well, that, that was, that was before they got Tobias Harris, too, so that's a whole that's a whole other thing. Oh, but, yeah, I forgot about that, too. Right, and I agree. I think that Toronto, uh, I know we talked about this before the show, Kawhi's there. Kyle Lowry is, is okay. He's an above-average point guard. I know they just traded for Marcus Gasol, but I, that team, to me, I think we match up well against them. I think our star and Blake, their star and Kawhi. Kawhi's better, but yeah. I think that they can kind of – Close, you know, like neutralize each other's foremost as far mm-hmm. as efficiency goes and effectiveness. Mm-hmm. So I think it comes to I think both teams match up well. You know, you got a big, you got two big guys going at it mm-hmm. who both you know been drumming and Gasol. You've got okay point guards. I think the depth is kind of the same mm-hmm. on both teams. Mike, I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, who do you think they who do you think they match up well against, and who do you think they can maybe pull off an upset against? Um. I think... If it's Toronto, it's okay. You can say no, no, no. I well, I, I would say 
and it's a tough situation because the Pacers lose Oladipo. Yeah. And they've been playing quite well without him. Mm-hmm. However, I do think teams like the Sixers and Celtics are going to start like kind of. They're only like three games behind them yeah, at most. Ramp up here. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to start like getting up there, and I think Pacers are going to start falling off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Though, I mean, they're easily going to still make the playoffs. But yep. They're going to start falling down a little bit. So th- like when you have to look at it, and theoretically the teams are like. Milwaukee, Toronto, Philly, and mm-hmm. Boston are the four teams that you probably are going to face as a 5-8. through eight. Right. Then, at that point, I would look at Toronto being the best team yeah. just because the starting fives from Milwaukee, Boston, and Sixers are so strong right. that you'll get in such a deep hole probably early right. in all those games because of how bad you start games mm-hmm. that I don't <laughs> think that you'll be able to come back from that. Whereas Toronto, usually Toronto doesn't start that hot. That Usually they finish way better than they start, and right. so do the Pistons. So if you can keep a competitive game well, going to the fourth, right. I could see the Pistons pulling out some games there. Yeah, and honestly, what better what better guy to go against Toronto than their former coach, right? Who exactly. knows that team yeah, better, exactly. really? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They just promoted an assistant anyway to be their head coach. So I think that that's, that's a great thing. I think they could, I, for whatever reason, I, I feel like a Milwaukee matchup would just be interesting, if nothing else, just simply based off the fact that I'm like, you know, I don't know why, but I feel like it could be a thing. I don't know mm-hmm. why. Like, I... You know, obviously, you know, the Greek Freak, they just got Miritich in that tray. They got Middleton. They've got pieces, but at the same time, I look at it and I go, okay, if Drummond can play some semblance of what we think he can play, if Blake gets if Blake gets hot, I don't think they can beat the Bucks in a seven-game series, but I do think that they could win a game or two, especially at home, and maybe steal a couple. At the end of the day, that's all we're looking for. That's how low the bar has become here in Detroit, where we're looking for a playoff win, just one game in a seven-game series. That We'll take that. All right, guys. That's going to be it for part one of this episode of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. Please stay tuned from a word from our sponsor, and we will be right back. Hey, guys, this is the Mouth of Michigan. Just reminding you once again that this episode of the I Am Always Right Sports Podcast is brought to you by Tracy St. James at Travelmation.net. She is your number one hookup for your dream Disney vacation, as well as she also has an Etsy account, Talk Disney to Me, where you can buy certified badass ears all in the favorite in your favorite themes whether it's a wedding whether it's a sports team like here for us on the podcast whether it's for any of your favorite marvel characters anything that you want she can make and you can find at talk disney to be on etsy or hit her up on her email tracy st james at travelmation.net to book your dream wedding she's gone there a million times with her family they are great people to know and she will get you the perfect dream vacation for you and your family now here's part two of this week's episode of the i'm always right sports podcast podcast all right welcome back to part two of episode 13 of the i'm always right sports podcast let's jump right into it now manny machado finally signs a contract with san diego padres 10 years 300 million dollars uh the biggest free agent signing i think ever you know what i mean it's it's just craziness it it, it rivals gene carlos stanton's contract uh but he wasn't a free agent obviously but so i guess 300 million dollars is let's just start off with the obvious good move for manny machado uh, yeah, for I mean, you just got paid $300 million. I mean, yeah. I I'm like, hey, yo, I need $30 million a year to play baseball. Right. I mean, I guess I can't really complain too much. Uh, I have the same question, right? Is it a good move? Is it a good move for him moving? I mean, he was he was with the Dodgers, you know, last year. He got traded there. So do you think that this was a smart move to go from a team like that to the San Diego Padres? I mean, you got paid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the best yeah, on every right. goal is to get paid or to win World Series. That, that's my question, right? So. Is you look at it. I don't you know have to if ask the, me the, pa- the Padres aren't necessarily ready to win, I don't think, yet. That pitching yeah. staff is not 
what it is yet. Yes. You know what I mean? They, they've got a couple years, really. I think 2021 is probably the soonest that they can really look at yeah. that opening window. Yes. Um, but do, do you think that overall, though, it's a good signing for him to be there? I think, okay, they're up, they're, they're trending upwards and that they're going to be able to win a championship here? Or is this a strictly a money grab? Well, actually, actually this is kind of interesting because I think the players that they have right now – Yeah. Have, it's like a potentially like I think this season you could see like a, a maybe like a five hundred because last year they were the worst in their division. Right. They had about sixty wins and it was a very rough go for this team. Right. However, with you know they have like Ian Kinsler, they yep. have so they have a really good shortstop. Yep. They have you know they have like players in yep. place right now, and they also have um I looked up the other day. They have ten of the top one hundred prospects in their system in the minors right now. There you now. go. That helps. So yeah. with that, I think that over you know the course of this year, next year, maybe the year after, yep. when they start developing, they come up. Mm-hmm. Now you have someone like Manny Machado, who's like who can play third, but he can also play shortstop, right. Pretty interchangeably, right. So that also gives you flexibility. Like, hey, we have this amazing third stop mm-hmm. down in the minors. Mm-hmm. We'll just throw him at third, mm-hmm. and then Machado can play shortstop. So you're thinking this is a good move then for the Padres too? Oh then. yeah, I think it's a good move all around. For right. It. I think it's actually a per, a great system for Machado. Right. And I think um, with the players that they have in developmental and everything, I think the Padres are going to favor. In like a year or two, you're you're gonna see a lot from the Padres. Right, and I think this is a long term investment. Obviously, there's mm-hmm. I think there's an out. I think after five years, four I think years. after four years. Yeah. So with that, right, they're kind of hedging their bets a little bit. So I agree. I think especially for a, a smaller market like San Diego, as far as baseball goes, right, mm-hmm. it's not it's not gonna be a place. It's not a destination area, right? No. So for a guy like Manny Machado, 26 years old, the top of his game to come out and sign with you. I granted, I get it. You gave him 300 million dollars, but the point being is that when you have a superstar come into your program like like they're having right now, that's a huge win for the Padres, mm-hmm. right? I think it, it gives you some buzz. It gives you merch to sell. I think it's something that you can sell the fans on saying, hey, look, Manny Machado came here. We're building something, yeah. right? I think I think Eric Hosmer, I think, signed too, didn't they? Didn't yeah. With him too? Yeah. So I think that uh, – or last year. So they're, they're building some pieces in San Diego, right? Mm-hmm. And I think once the pitching catches up – yeah. I think that's um, when you're going to see yeah. that. The only thing I'd be nervous about about the Padres though mm-hmm. is he, Machado has a really big ego, yeah, and like he has a big problem with like the media and everything, yeah. And I think that maybe that's why he went here though is because maybe, he's in San Diego. It's a smaller market, so it's that, not. That's yeah. That's know, probably a, that's probably a bigger reason. I mean, right. maybe not big reason, but like that's probably a good reason why he went mm-hmm. there. Absolutely. But like, I that's also like I have problems with people like and I thought like Odell Beckham and stuff, right? That just have these huge egos mm-hmm. and like. Oh, we lost the game because we went in the hot. We went to Florida and then we played Green Bay and Green Bay we weren't ready for it. Like right. you don't say stuff like that. Like, exactly. That stuff like and exactly. like egos and I, I'm just not a big fan of Machado. Right. But as a as a Padres signing him, yeah. I think it was a great I think move. Yeah, I think it gives something place. for the fan base especially to be excited about. Um, does this set though the benchmark for Bryce Harper's deal? Now we know the Nationals offered Harper a three hundred million dollar deal, mm-hmm. right? But there was a lot of ticky tack outs and clauses and and everything else right so with that being said does this like okay it, now the, the the mark has been set right mm-hmm. it's got to be 300 million dollars if not above so it's got to be you know like the nfl ruling right it's yeah. two million dollars above 302 yeah. or whatever so is that the benchmark i know that we've been reading some reports that the phillies and harper it may it may be just a matter of days here now before they finally get it done but is that the benchmark? Do we expect Harper to sign something similar to this deal in the way probably it's structured as I well? I think 
I think when Harper looks at what Machado got, I think it's harder for other teams because he's going to want way more than that. Because right. he sees himself. He's a amazing lefty. Yeah. And that's like something you don't like. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of, there's not a lot of Former amazing. MVP. Yeah, I mean, you just... have all these accolades with him. Yep. Fantastic lefty. Great at fielding and everything. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Machado just got three hundred million for ten years. He's yeah. like, I kind of want like three fit or like yeah, you know right. that much more because he thinks he's that much better, which he is. I think yeah, a lot overall, better right. overall. Absolutely. But then you're looking at teams going, I don't think I could pay you three hundred fifty million dollars. Or I don't want to pay. Or I don't want to pay three hundred fifty million dollars. Right. For I, just one guy for baseball. It's right. Tough. It's tough, so, right? M, same question, right? Do you think that you know you being the financial analyst, right? And obviously you missed our talk last week, um, but. Being able to to sign a guy like Bryce Harper in his prime, I mean, is going to be a big win for whatever franchise does it. But do you think that no, there's no way now he there was some there was some talk. Okay, maybe he said takes a shorter term deal now with tons of money per year. Now it's like that's it feels like that's where the bar has now been set. And if you can't pass that, you might as well get out of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, you run into the issue of like market comparisons here now mm-hmm. so i mean like i'm assuming there's people who sit around and do analysts a- analysis on stats and they have crazy formulas for how much money someone is worth based on xyz right of capacity course. and of ability uh, i'm assuming that um bryce harper's representation has some kind of idea of what his like well, going yeah, rate be, is yeah. but it seems like you know the padres kind of made like a I don't want to say ballsy, but like... Oh, it's definitely ballsy. You just invested $300 million in a guy. Yeah, I mean, mean, they kind of went for it, and so I'm assuming Mr. Harper is looking for the same sort of dedication and maybe a little bit more, because from what I'm hearing on his stat area from from Michael, the financial analysis, if you look at it from a financial standpoint, it's A plus B equals C. He does this better, he's better for this, 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 so So therefore he should be worth more. Right. Mm -hmm. Unless there's some sort of bizarre strategy thing that we don't know about. Right, well, I mean, you know, his average dipped a little bit last year, right? I think he hit 280, but he still hit over, I think, 35 home runs. I think he still drove in over 100 runs. So he was still effective at the plate, but... I think point being, you don't see a guy at this age with this much talent who's done already so much. It's like if Mike Trout went into free agency, everybody would flip out because mm-hmm. he's you know he's one of the most gifted baseball players we've ever seen. Bryce is in that same kind of comparison. Right. He's a great athlete. He's a great. He's a great player. You know what I mean? You've never really seen him have any problems with the media or anything like that. He's just kind of a dude, right? I mean, he's probably a little bit of an airhead just based off looking at him. Probably. But that's me just being a jerk. But yeah, <laughs> it's just that you know you just kind of feel it. So I think that's where it is. I think. Yeah. Ten years, three fifty, three seventy five. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be at. bananas. And if he signs this week, we'll talk about it on yeah. next week's show. But it's gonna be yeah. I think stupid. How I think much he signs. I also think though that if a very good playoff caliber team mm-hmm. was to give him like th- like if someone was gonna give him the same as Machado, mm-hmm. but you can be like, hey, we can almost guarantee you that you win if you come here. Right. I think that's also a huge incentive. Right. For I think the Phillies to too. In. The Phillies did a great job of tearing it all down after their World Series wins to build it back up. Now I think it's a great fit for them anyway. Yeah. All right, let's shift now. We're gonna shift from baseball. We're gonna go now to the Colin Kaepernick settlement with the NFL. We're not going to – I don't want to go too deep into the woods here because this could get really hairy really quickly. So we're, we're all about having some fun here on the show. So I'm not going to so go – So I'm not allowed to yell. Yeah. No, I, you can yell, but as long as it's got something pertaining to what I'm going to ask you. Um, <laughs> so uh, they make a settlement with both Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick, right? We don't know. It's an undisclosed amount. Some people have predicted 60 to 80. Some people said it's less. Um, it's probably in the tens of millions of dollars if I had to guess, right? Um what does this settlement mean 
from the NFL's perspective. Does this show an admission of guilt that t- not taking this, you know, full bore into court and having, you know, like letting the whole system play out? Mm-hmm. Does this show any sort of like, all right, clearly they did something because if they didn't, why are they settling? Or is it just strictly a, p- man, I'm going to start with you because yeah. you seem eager McBeaver to, to kind of jump on this, but yeah. does it just, is it just egg, egg on the face of the NFL? So they just want to just get rid of it and be done with it. Or does it kind of like, uh-huh, see, we all kind of knew you're doing something. You Now you're just kind of trying to pull, throw money at the situation to make it go away. One, I mean, like, on a very base level, ignoring any, like, judgment calls of who's right and who's wrong. Yeah. This has been, like, a nightmare for the NFL. Yes. I'm not saying it's not partially their fault that it has been a nightmare for them. Mm-hmm. But I am saying that they, like, most cases, regardless of right or wrongdoing in business settings, yeah. we don't want them to go to trial. Nobody ever wants to go to trial because trials are expensive. The NFL, depending on how the trial went and where it wound up and appeals and all sorts of crap, could have, they would have spent more money on freaking lawyers than they probably did. Like it's the NFL too. So I don't think they're hurting for cash, but I get your point. But I mean like (laughs) just a cost benefit analysis and the negative PR and then like the back and forth. And what if they lost? I think they, no, I don't. And I think they just kind of got it to be like, shh, quiet little doggies. But I mean like, I think obviously there was, I don't know if you can necessarily say he was like you. It would be well, hard to prove he was like formally blacklisted, but I mean he's problematic. Right. He's mm-hmm. problematic for the league, which causes yes. problems, and so, and by the right. way that the NFL and the commissioner, right, took and, a stand on it, it made him problematic for everyone in the league, and so they were like, eh, no. Well, here here's the thing too, though, and I think that, and I don't know how much you can play, how much you can read this, but some of the performance on the field this past couple years is some of the backup situations that you've seen others. Nathan Peterman, for an example, the Blaine Gabberts of the world, yes. right? Some of these guys that really don't deserve to be on professional football teams. Over Colin, let me let me preface this. I don't think Colin Kaepernick is a good quarterback. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. However, do I think he's better than throwing seven interceptions in one game like Nathan Peterman? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. Okay, so let's just get that yeah. out of the out of the way right now, right? I think there are players who've done a lot more like morally objectable things and still somehow manage. But the to difference, play in but here, here's here's where here's where it gets sketchy, right? Is that the I'm problem is twofold. Number one, he he started doing this at a time where his career was kind of in turmoil. Okay, and number two, he's he's a quarterback, right? So everything he does is magnified to the umpteenth degree. He played for a bad 49ers team. Okay, so he lost his job, didn't really lose it, but he lost his job and then got it back, right? Didn't play terrible, they just had a bad team, right? And he, he wasn't as effective as he was under Harbaugh and what have you. Yeah. Mike, does the NFL, is the NFL just happy to be rid of this? Or are they just like, all right, we were going to lose this, we were going to lose our ass on this, so we just needed to get rid of it? Or is it more like, we just want to get rid of it so they can stop talking about it? I, well, they wanted to get rid of it, so they like they just like I'm over this kind of thing. Like yeah. maybe we just pay you and everything like mm-hmm. just goes under the rug. But I'm kind of see I'm kind of different than that. I feel like a little yeah. bit because I kind of look at it as one. I don't think any team wanted that spotlight. No, mm-hmm. of that situation on their team, right? Which is one of the reasons why. But I think over time, you know, he's like, "Hey, I won't do this anymore." Right. So like, sign me, right? Whatever. If he's like, he was saying stuff like that. Right. But then I think you look at it and it goes, "Well, you haven't played in two years, mm-hmm. so how are you going to perform?" Right. I think that's the biggest issue. Is he was kind of like, 
he went to the Super Bowl, right? And then he started going on a little decline, yep. Right after the Super Bowl, the team was getting bad and stuff, yep. And he was a backup for a little bit there, and then when he leaves the team, it's been like two years since he's played football. Mm-hmm. So now you're looking at like, well, can you still throw a football well? Right. It's yeah. the real problem. And then right. I think there's a portion of teams out there that weren't like, hey, we don't want to sign you because you're taking a knee and you're standing up against this. Yeah. It's more of we don't know if you can play. And can you play I guarantee than you teams? that there is definitely a thought of yeah. that, right? Where it's and I agree, but I do think that at the end of the day, he could definitely be an asset to a team, right? Like yeah. for like you know what I mean. If RG three can get back on a team, Colin Kaepernick can get back on a team. Obviously, it's different situations because of the of the turmoil, right? Yeah. But like, shoot, even Tim Tebow got three chances, right? And he was doing, you know, and he couldn't play, just flat out couldn't play at all. You know what I mean? Like, so but he doesn't criticize America. He well, likes Jesus. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> exactly. No, that's not what I'm. But I'm just saying, strictly from a performance standpoint, he Colin Kaepernick is better than some and some backup quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Yeah. Now, does he does he deserve twenty eight million dollars a year? No, absolutely As, not. Uh, do you think that's the key? I mean, he was going to go to AF for twenty million. I, I think I that think... there's. I don't know his his contract demands, right? And if yeah. that's something where he goes, well, I think I should be paid twelve million. Then obviously, right, then yeah. we can't do business, yeah. right? But at least if that comes out and he says he wants twelve million dollars, okay, you're a backup. That's clearly yeah. not. I in think the if cards. he was bargaining like a jerkhead, though, I feel like maybe the NFL might have been like, we have documented evidence. Well, that, that's like well, you were driving too hard of a bargain, and you weren't worth what you wanted. Exactly. That's not our problem. Here's another thing, too. A lot of people are now saying that after the settlement, he's never been closer to signing with the team than now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what goes into that settlement. I don't know. And obviously, Eric Reed also got a payoff from that. And he's already signed. He signed an extension with Carolina. Mm-hmm. So he's playing in the league. I mean, is he going to be on a team next year? Do you think that somebody at least brings him in uh, for a training camp and just be like, you know what? Let's give it a chance. Because there's a lot of teams that could easily go for – a good solid backup, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you look like the Niners are perfect. Obviously, he wouldn't go back there, but you know, Garoppolo gets hurt. You got C.J. Bethard running out there. That's say, not the a Packers good. Are the Packers great. are another great example, right? I mean, when Rogers geez. goes out once a year. I mean, you need somebody back. No there. kidding, right? When they and play the Lions first time. He goes out. With Denver it. just traded for forty-five-year-old Joe Flacco, who's making thirty million dollars a year, yeah. who's just as good as Case Keenum, which is not good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, there, there's obviously teams. Quarterback need Jacksonville. Played, but is going to cut Blake Boros. Miami is going to cut yeah. Tannehill. There's teams that need quarterbacks out there. Don't tell me that he's not as good as Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like let's be let's be honest. He's here. around that level. Exactly. You know what I mean. So you're you're. you're what I find interesting though is if they do sign him, I'm assuming there's some sort of like shut your mouth clause somewhere in this agreement. Maybe there is. Yeah. And so what's what's intriguing to me though, and you run into this like wonky cross like. Did he do it for attention? Did he do it because he cares? And now, like, he's not getting paid anymore. He got blackballed by the league, well, allegedly. Well we, know, well, we know, though, that he's been donating to charities, right? We know that he's been, you know, a lot of money that he's made from this. He's do- he's thrown right back into communities. So there's obviously some sort of cause here, right, right. that he is following, right? Is the timing a little bit meh? Yeah, doesn't help. If he would have started it when he was playing at his absolute best, yeah. I think he could have avoided a lot of this headache. So there's a, there's both sides to it. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but just tell me right now, is he is he on a team next year? At some point during the year, does he get signed? To, even think, if he was a camp body, just be there. I honestly think that there will be a time through the year that a star quarterback goes down, mm-hmm. like say like an Aaron Rodgers, and, and then Green Bay is going to pick him up. There you go. That's that's where I think he would go. Right. Somewhere like that, where a guy goes down, you have no backup, and he's like, all right, just... Don't throw interceptions. Right, yeah, like, exactly. Just do like, what just, you do best. Just right? do, yeah. just like, 
come in. We, run we the ball, basically. Yeah, run the ball. <laughs> Stand like, on two feet, no kneeling, and don't, yeah, don't throw interceptions. That's all we ask. So I think, I think in that situation, but there's not going to be a team like Jacksonville that's like, hey, we're just going to sign you to start right now. Like, no, there won't be that no, kind of team. No, no, it's I just going to be like either. someone gets hurt. Definitely didn't be brought in. Someone's going to be get hurt three weeks. Hey, we need you to play for three weeks. Just. Right, and maybe maybe that's what it is, right? You never know. I mean, so shoot, I mean the Colts yes. brought Kerry Collins out after Peyton Manning got hurt, right? So out of retirement. So I, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can go into where you're just like, you know, I, I do think at some point, I, I think if the NFL truly wants to get this behind them, they should somebody should sign him, yes. right? Even if it's for a backup situation, right? If you come in and then he gets another chance, I mean, we're giving Kareem Hunt another chance. We, we, we've, you know, I mean, we've given Greg Hardy multiple chances. He was even, he was even convicted. Greg Hardy was, and the Cowboys still signed him. You know what I mean? I mean, he was terrible, but the point being is that he got another chance before. You know, he got another chance. I don't know what that was, what you were just boo. doing. But, okay. Yeah, that, that was boo. Oh, that's your boo? Boo. But you have double-handed on boos? I'm okay. Boo. For, this, for this podcast episode, man. Okay. Yeah, Go on right. YouTube and watch yeah. this. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, yeah. It's just to see the hand motion. It's going to be a new shirt pretty soon. Um, but, yeah, he's good enough to be on an NFL team. Straight up, he mm-hmm. is. Let's just, I mean, you can say whatever you want. You Whatever opinion you have on the kneeling and everything else, we're not going to get into that because it's that's too much stress that I don't need. But... At the end of the day, he can play. He can play quarterback still. At yes. the end of the day, he can. So let's not let's not completely be stupid about it. And if somebody signed him, I think it just kind of okay. He's on a team now. Yeah, you know good. what I mean? That's and then it goes away yeah. after that. You know. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. I was just kind of. It was just kind of fun that they actually settled. I was like, wow. All right. Okay, guys. We're gonna hit now our fifth and final segment. You guys should know what's coming. We did it last week as kind of a bonus segment, but now it's gonna be an every week segment until the NFL draft. That's right. The Merc Zone Mock Draft Corner. That's right. We're gonna be hitting now. Mike Scott. Once again, if you don't know what it is, first off, go listen to episode twelve in the archives because you get a full rundown here. But what this is, Mike is gonna give us the first five picks. All right, of any particular mock draft he finds. Then he's also going to give us a Lions pick at 8 or wherever they're at if they make a trade, down, up, yes. sideways, what have you. And then we're also going to get the second and third round picks of the Lions as well. And then he's going to, if, if anything happens where, say, Rashawn Geary falls in the second round or something crazy, he'll kind of bring that up with yeah. us as well or any prospects that I or M kind of look at. And I'm going to try to not have a heart attack because, as Mike tries to find, the craziest mock drafts possible. <laughs> so we're all going to see. And we may see. We may witness a death here on the show. I don't know. It just could yeah. be a thing. So I don't uh, – I'm, but... I'm not the most in shape guy in the world, ladies and gentlemen. So I, uh, the heart may not be full, pumping at full you know, yeah. mass at all times. All right, Mike. All Enough right, chit-chat. Let's get right into it. Mm-hmm. I am prepared mentally, emotionally, not even a little bit spiritually, but let's go anyway. All right, let's do it. So this is my time to talk a lot now, and I absolutely <laughs> love it. Okay, so we're going to look at, so the first pick, Arizona keeps their first pick, okay. and they pick Nick Bosa at Ohio State. Okay, makes sense. All right, yeah. so they're not going the Kyler Murray route, which oh. I'm still going to fall out of my pants if it does, but it'd yep. be fine. Yep, so that's okay. the first one. All okay. Right. Uh, we'll do, we're going to do the first five, yep. and then we're going to go. I'm so excited for the draft. So um, our number two pick, mm-hmm. San Francisco keeps their pick, and they pick Josh Allen, Kentucky edge rusher. Okay, well, there goes my pipe dream already. <laughs> All right. So, I um, kind of thought that's where he was going to fall. And okay. And here's where it gets interesting because oh now you might get confused. Right. Number three, the Jets take Cleon Farrell, Clemson edge rusher. Wow. All right. Uh, that's 
mm-hmm. confusing, if nothing else. Uh, so also, just so you guys are aware too, a lot of these mock drafts promote basically mock trades in here, but they don't necessarily tell us compensation. So let's yeah. just so don't don't shred us online for saying, well, how do I know the Jets gave up? They really wanted to move up or, or yeah. whatever, whatever. Just yeah. play along. This okay, tra- it's a mock draft. I've looked through this one. This one does have a lot of trades, but in the future, that is yeah. Just not just so we're just so we get that out in the air now. So, okay. Number four, mm-hmm. the Oakland Raiders will okay. take. Greedy Williams, LSU cornerback. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a John Gruden pick, yeah. pretty much all the way around. So a playmaker, a playmaker. A guy John Gruden would yeah, that's a, that's a playmaker <laughs> who hopefully can solidify one end of the field like that. I think that's I yep. think I think they will go there. They'll go pass rusher probably at some point as well. Maybe even safety later on because they cut Melifonu last year. So I, there's there's a lot of things that Oakland could do there. Mm-hmm. So we got number five, Tampa Bay will pick Jonah Williams, Alabama offensive tackle. It makes sense when you think about it. I mean, you're going to give Jameis another chance. Um, you think you have pieces there. I think they're trying to convince Deshaun Jackson to stay. You've got wide receivers. You have tight ends. Yeah. It's probably the, the it's pro- Yeah, bit. right. It, exactly. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised to see them go running back early, too. Maybe trade down try to get a running back because yeah. I can't name well, a running back Unless we had Josh Jacobs from Alabama. Right. Now, that's, that's a bit nuts. But, yeah. I mean, geez. But right, I so, understand. Um like predicted, New York will pick Dwayne Haskins, the Giants. Okay. They'll pick Dwayne Haskins. Yep. And number seven, Quinnen Williams goes to Jacksonville. Alabama defensive tackle. Okay. Wow, he kind of fell a little bit from last week, but mm-hmm. okay. Like I, three I kind of see that. Week. Yep. All right, so now we're at the Lions. So those seven. Yeah, Jacksonville taking another defensive player, though. That's crazy, but okay. So now the Lions are picking, and we know who the first seven are taking. Yep. So now we are going to pick number eight, and we are picking Deontay Thompson, Alabama safety. Okay, um, hmm. I don't hate it. Here's yes. what this means. This pick means though. Number one, you're getting the number one safety off the board, yes. right? Pretty much consensus, right? Yeah. Isn't he hurt though? Uh, Didn't he? Doesn't he have that? Doesn't he have the Achilles or the or the Liz Frank or something injury or something like that? I thought. I, it doesn't say. It yeah. doesn't say. I know yeah. That regardless, he's hurt, right? It, it, so even either way, point being. Is that he's a he's he's probably the number one safety on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, he he probably becomes an immediate starter. That also means they probably swung and missed in free agency. Yeah, on the safety That's what market. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have Tracy Walker who's going to start now. You've got you've Quandre. got Quandre, but they run a lot of three safety sets with a, with a, yeah. with the safety coming down and covering. Yeah. So I don't hate this pick. It just the, the medical yeah. part about if it. If you if you look at it like today, that mm-hmm. like predicting what we we're gonna do in free agency, I actually right. wouldn't mind this pick. Right. But it's, then you're gonna yes. assume like if somehow you get like someone like Landon Collins or something, right. this mm-hmm. totally changes. We don't right. go near a Obviously, you're not as big into the mock draft stuff as we are clearly, but. Um, just looking at the depth of their roster, what do you think? What do you think of that pick? If nothing else, positionally, right? Do you think that that's a need? It's defensively, so not necessarily a shock. But what do you think of Deontay Thompson? We saw him playing in the college football playoff and all that good stuff. Man. I mean, you know, we are on a podcast, so I know. Give me some I have access to things. I'm more, I'm a YouTube gal myself. Yeah, I'm a right. visual. I felt all that visualness. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I think I think it's a a good pick. I don't think that I'm like. Yeah, take blown safety. away or like in the positions that Rob yells about the most. I don't think that like safety is <laughs> right, like right. is like right <laughs> top Absolutely. of the top of the line there. But all right, all right, give me give me round my two. My goal is to not oh, get wait, thrown off. I, I got I got a couple of big name guys going here. So okay. Rashad Gary going ten to Denver. 
Okay. Field. I guess they're not going quarterback then. Ah, um, I got Montez Sweat going to the Green Bay Packers. At that's that's been a common thing now. We've already two episodes or two two segments in. We've already seen that twice happen. I wouldn't be shocked by that. But I also think though they need help in a lot of places, even offensively. I think, but yeah, that could be. And uh, I also have Kyler Murray going thirteenth to the Miami Dolphins. Okay. Wow, he falls a little bit there, but okay, that makes yeah. sense. All right, I'm with you um, on that. So I got 18 Minnesota. If you want to go to the NFC yep. North teams, they pick Christian Wilkins. Mm-hmm. Um, going through here, anything big? Who Chicago take? Uh, Chicago doesn't have their pick. Oh God, because, I did it again. I did the but last the Raiders, week too. who have their pick, yeah. would pick Mac Wilson, inside linebacker there from Alabama. There it is. All right, give me round two yep, for the so Lions. Round two's coming up, and let's see. Any, so we have Josh Jacobs going to Oakland in the fir- early second round. Okay. Alabama running back. Um, where, where do we even? Oh, oh must be the Denver. Listen to this. Denver picks Drew Locke in the second round. Quarterback out of Missouri. Wow. That would be interesting. Yeah, that would be. Hmm. So we have the 43, 43rd pick yep. in the second round. Yep. And we are going to pick Marquise Brown, Oklahoma wide receiver. Okay, Marquise Brown's the one who's hurt. I yes. think he just got he's, hurt. That's the one. The, I I, flip, I don't know the, why I flipped those. But. He's the Oklahoma guy who was hurt. Yes. In the, uh, okay. Final four game. Yeah, that's the. Oh. Can we not pick people? Here's the, the yeah. That that's my only thing, right? Is I don't like taking guys that just got hurt out of pre-draft process. However, if he at that spot, at, combine, at that would... spot, oh, he's not. He's already said he's not. Oh, he's yeah, not. So right. he's gonna be. He'd be ready for. He'd probably be ready for camp though. But point being. They think that he'd probably run low four threes anyway. He's a speedster. He fits a need. He fits a great need there. Mm-hmm. Once again, what this draft is showing me is that they went, they swung and missed on several big areas of need, which means probably they, unless unless the third round tells me they went and got a tight end, they probably went and got a pass rusher mm-hmm. in free agency, and they probably went and got corner, depending on what you're telling me in the third round. So yeah. that's what they're telling me about free agency with this draft. I don't hate it, but, man, taking guys with injuries, we've done it before. Hasn't always worked out. Java Best, uh, Abdullah, mm-hmm. um, those are the two that just come to mind, at least from a running back position, you know, yeah. a position of need. But, all right, give me the third yeah. round pick. Close it out. Well, as a Michigan guy, Devin yeah. Bush goes to Philadelphia at 57 inside Great linebacker. Great pick for them. So mm-hmm. that would be there. And we're going to head to the third round where, let's see. Um, let's see. I like that pick. Uh, Riley, <laughs> Riley Ridley, Georgia wide receiver, goes to San Francisco. Okay, yeah, good for them. Also, that tight end, uh, TJ. Yeah. Uh, he goes to Green Bay right after us. Really? Yep. Hmm. Okay. Yep. They must have mean they went and upgraded the tight end position. That's the only yeah. thing I can think of because there's no way they can ignore the tight end position for this long. Unless you tell me right now they take one in the nope, third round. Not, they don't so that means they hit on their free agency mark with the tight end position then. So, this is an interesting one. I had not seen this one yet. Oh, God. So, pick number 88, third round. We pick a corner out of Temple. Okay. Rock Yasin. 6'2", 190 pounds. Okay, so it's a bigger body corner. Okay, yeah. It, that's that's more of a depth pick then. That's yeah. that that is at that point. Yep. I think because you're in the later part of the third round, I don't necessarily hate that pick. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's okay though. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm honestly that draft though is okay. That's that's definitely okay mm-hmm. with me. Um, no, no, I'm no I'm okay. Attack. I didn't have a heart attack, guys. No, hey, I'm feeling okay right now. Through this. Oh man, another week. Need. Yes. All right, guys. It's rough. We need to get Rob a I heart free agency. 
I do love free agency. I can't wait for free agent frenzy. That's going to be a whole great episode. I can't get his attention for more than five seconds. (laughs) All right, guys. That's going to be it for this episode of the I Am Always Right Sports Podcast. For the Merc Zone, for the brain, I am the mouth of Michigan, Ramadaika, and we will see you guys, as always, next time.